Welcome back to the San Francisco Giants edition of For the Fans, By the Fans, a podcast where we bring you your weekly dose of all things San Francisco Giants baseball from the fans' perspective. I'm a lifelong Giants fan and your host, Benjamin Shapiro. As the 2018 season is officially underway, we enter the belly of the beast and we welcome our biggest rival to the podcast. Andre Anderson is an e-commerce and digital marketing expert that grew up in Pasadena and now lives in San Francisco. And while he's a devoted Dodger fan, we're very happy to welcome him to the podcast. But before we spend the next 30 minutes talking about Ty Black outpitching Clayton Kershaw on opening day, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you on behalf of our friends at Fanatics. Fanatics is the global leader in licensed sports merchandise. They have the world's largest collection of official sports apparel from the leagues, teams, and players that you love. So even if you're a Dodger fan, and let's say you want to relive the memory of your last World Series, Fanatics has everything from a custom throwback Kirk Gibson jersey to a statue memorializing the fact that it's been 30 years since the Dodgers have won a championship. (laughs) And that said, Andre, welcome to the pod, my friend. I am so excited to be here. I will have to say that I'm a Dodger fan in exile. So I've been in living in San Francisco for 18 years. And what I wouldn't give to see the looks on everyone's faces when we win our championship. I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait, though. It's been 30 years since our last real memorable moment, if you ask me. It's been a minute since the Dodgers have gotten to the mountaintop and you were close last year. So Why don't we start by you telling us how you became a Dodgers fan? I I asked this to our friend John Wilson, who's an AIDS fan in the last podcast. How does that happen to someone? Well, I'll have to say, as you mentioned in the wonderful intro, by the way, and I love that radio voice of yours, Ben, born in Pasadena, grew up in Southern California. I actually went to college here in the Bay Area. So I spent half of my adult life in the Bay Area. I went to Santa Clara University, the home of Steve Nash, not to Mm -hmm. go on a basketball tangent. Basketball Hall of Famer as of yesterday. Yeah, he just got elected to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So growing up in the shadow of Dodger Stadium in Pasadena, only nine miles away, it's kind of hard not to be a Dodger fan. I mean, I grew up when we had, you know, infield of Bill Russell, Steve Lopes, and Steve Garvey. Or I say Steve Lopes, I meant Davey Lopes. Yeah, I'm a real fan. I'm an old man, though. <laughs> so, so that's that's late 70s, right? Yeah, well, they were like an intact infield for, I don't know, like seven or eight years, which I think at the time was a record. So we won several pennants in the 70s. And of course, we beat the Yankees in 81. And if there's time, I could tell you a funny and true story about our last championship in 88. So I was at that game in game one. And I know there's like a million people out there saying that they were at that game. But no, lifelong Dodger fan. I'm a Laker fan too, to go on a tangent. But I also like the Niners. But I have to say, the Dodgers have been the team that has continually broken my heart repeatedly year over year. Them and the UCLA Bruins. I know as a Cal fan, you can empathize. So I have no sympathy for you whatsoever (laughs) as a Cal fan, but the Giants have given us hope that it can happen. So Cal Bears, we're next someday. It can, yeah. So, So tell me your story about the 1989 World Series. What was that experience like? Well, for the 89 World Series. 88. Well, I'll have to say, I was a huge fan of the 89 World Series and that sweep of the Giants by the A's. (laughs) But for 1988, my dad took me to the World Series. My dad was a banker. And back in those days, you you got the hookup as a banker. You know, you want that home loan or that hookup from your banker? You had kickbacks. We used to go to Rose Bowl games. 
and other sporting events all the time. So he took me to the World Series. I was stoked. We were in the upper blue reserve section in Dodger Stadium. We were on the third base side, if my memory serves me correctly. And we were down. I forget the score. I think it was 4-3. And when Kirk Gibson came up to the plate, people forget that he battled Eckersley at the plate. So my dad, in his infinite wisdom, on, I think when you know there was two strikes on Kirk Gibson, decided, you know what, let's get out of here. We're going to lose this game. And I'm 15 years old. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we get up out of our seats and no. we're in the process of exiting the stadium. <laughs> we're in the threshold of the exit. No, My dad had his headphones on listening to Vince Scully. And I felt this like this rumble. I'm talking no. to my dad. I'm like, dad, dad, what happened? And then this deadpan face is like, Kirk Gibson just hit a home run. <laughs> now, all of my friends who heard the story swear that where the parking brakes you see in the, beyond the outfield, in that famous shot where Kirk Gibson's running the third base, you see the parking brakes in the parking lot. People say, oh yeah, that was Andre and his dad. That's not true. I was in the stadium literally when this happened, but I did not witness that home run. So essentially what you're saying is like a true Dodger fan, you showed up late to the game and left early, even though it was the most important game in Dodgers history? Well, we were there on time. In fact, I was there and I laughed at the fact that Debbie Gibson sang the national anthem. So we were there on time and early, saw batting practice. It was the World Series. But my dad said, hey, let's get a jump on traffic. And we left with two strikes. And, you know. Wasn't it a tie game? I think we're down by one run. And there was somebody on base. Yeah, there was a man on second base. And then, of course, Uh Kirk Gibson was a go-ahead run. So Amazing. Yeah. Man, that's a bad beat, even if you won. I know. (laughs) Not to to make this too painful of an experience for you, but I want to talk about last year's World Series and Game 7 against the Astros. I actually got criticized before starting the podcast that I was being too anti-Dodgers because I was pulling so hard for the other team wearing black and orange. Talk to me about your experience losing in Game 7 of the World Series, and how have you recovered since then? It's been painful, I have to admit. In fact, in light of last night's loss, I mean, I love Clayton Kershaw. I'm in my office today wearing my Brooklyn Dodger t-shirt, and of course, I have a couple of reps on my team that are Giant fans, and it's Orange Friday, I suppose, as I'm doing my eye roll. And they were quick to remind me that not only did you guys win, but you won off the home run against Clayton Kershaw. And I think that was a difference in the series, which got us to the Game 7. It was interesting, though, that Kershaw pitched a couple to maybe three good, solid innings where he didn't give up a home run in Game 7. But in the aftermath of finding out that Darvish was tipping his pitches, has still been unsettling. We had an opportunity to win that game, and he just blew it. He just gave it away in the first like two or three innings. There was really no chance of recovery. And I was at a really cool bar, the only Dodger bar in the city, I believe. It's called Zeke's, near California and Hyde. And I was already 10 sheets to the wind by the sixth inning. I, the game was over at that point. So that was a great World Series, and the power is back in baseball. There were home runs flying out everywhere. And then with the Dodgers, every time they get into the playoffs, it seems like they're just on the doorstep. And Clayton Kershaw just is the thing that typifies the Dodgers in the playoffs to me, where he just blows up in the biggest moments. How do you feel about Clayton Kershaw as a playoff pitcher, as opposed to obviously he's a very dominant regular season pitcher? You know what? I think it all started, what was it, in 2014? where he got just completely shellacked by the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, where they scored like, what, seven or eight runs that one inning that put that series over. 
I think before that, I think it was negligible as to whether or not he was a good or busty playoff guy. But I think it's pretty clear that he's got this monkey on his back when it comes to the postseason. And I guess the Peyton Manning pre-Super Bowl ring analogy holds true with him. Solid the regular season, but just can't do it when it comes to you know October, November. But all you need is one, man. Just come through once. And I'm hoping that'll happen this year. But it was disappointing to see him do that really in Game 5. Game 5 is what makes us. I thought... We were home free. We are up 4-1, and he just coughed up home run after home run. That was a great game, by the way, but still. Here's a tough one for you. Knowing that he is virtually untouchable in the playoffs, right? If you were guaranteed to have his playoff performance replicated the next time you got to the postseason, would you trade Clayton Kershaw for Madison Bumgarner? Uh, if I could guarantee that he would just be nails in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> Only if he renounced his allegiance to the black and orange, kind of like a, like Brett Butler did. For all of you longtime Giant fans, I have a special place in my heart for Brett Butler, who was an outstanding center fielder for the Giants. But when he came over to the Dodgers in 1991 or 90, 90 he actually came out and said, hey, not only am I a SoCal native, but I've always wanted to play for the Dodgers. If I got that level of renouncement from good old Madison Bumgardner, I take it, yes. You would take Madison Bumgarner and you would trade the regular season success for Clayton Kershaw to virtually guarantee a postseason win. Well, not just a postseason win. I think maybe you should clarify this to win the World Series. Okay. You mentioned Brett Butler. Let's talk about some of the other great players that have played for both of the Giants and the Dodgers. I have a list in front of me. Can you name a couple of players that have played for both teams? Not to sound like uh, Vince Scully's. Little known fact, and this was a really bad Vince Scully kind of impersonation, but on the last day of his career, or the very end of his career, Jackie Robinson actually was traded to the Giants. And he said, I'd rather retire than become a Giant. Just I throw that out there. By the way, Jackie Robinson is from my hometown, Pasadena. So another reason why I'm a Dodger fan. But I'm trying to think some recent examples come to mind, like uh, obviously Sergio Romo, who washed out. Then there's, of course, the one that really pains me is Jason Schmidt. And I'm convinced that Ned Coletti was working on the inside for the Giants to just ruin our payroll. But I think Jeff Kent was like the only other bright spot I can point to that was a former Giant turned Dodger. So I'm combing through the list. Dusty Baker played for both teams. Yeah, he's a trader, by the way. Manager and, and great longtime manager made it to the World Series for the Giants. Yes, he did. Gary Carter played for both teams. Yes, yeah. Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Is, it's a real Bull Durham. Durham played for both the Giants and the Dodgers. Back what, like in the Christy Mathewson days and like the, the odds. In 1909, yeah. That was a good guess on my part. I'm like, this had to have been like 100 years ago. Yeah, little known fact, Steve Finley, Marquise Grissom, all traders. Oral Hersheiser. I was going to say Oral Hersheiser. Later in his career, yeah, he played uh, Brian Johnson, the catcher that hit a home run. Can't stand that guy. Played for the Dodgers. Ugh. Jeff Kent, potential Hall of Famer, probably not, but who knows? Kenny Lofton, Juan Marichal. Amazing. He the Johnny Roseborough bat over the head, and then he became a Dodger. Yeah. Brad Penny, Dave Roberts, Sergio Romo, Cody Ross. Wow. Jason Schmidt, Duke Snyder, my dad's favorite baseball player of all time. Duke Snyder. Wow. Yeah, my dad is a Brooklyn Dodgers fan turned Giants fan, so he's seen the light. There's still hope for you. No, no, no. You know what? I will probably die in San Francisco, but I'll never be a Giants fan. Andre, you know what they say. Once you go black, you never go back. 
I don't know what to say about blue. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> this is a blue show. I'm not going to cast or come up with anything dirty then. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Ribe was also a giant at Dodger. So talk to me about uh, about this season. The, the Dodgers roll back basically the same team. What's different from last year's team to this year's team? I don't feel like they made any real material improvement to the pitching staff or the lineup. Obviously, with Turner being out with his broken wrist, that hurts. But I do like the fact that we brought our man back. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Kemp. Matt Kemp. Yeah, I'm a real fan, guys. I really am. I just, I just needed another uh, cup of coffee. Yeah, so with adding Matt Kemp, we're just like bloated in the outfield. But I'm Speaking of Matt Kemp, we're bloated in the outfield. <laughs> Pot shot. Sorry. It is. It is. <laughs> no, I think no major improvements. You know, we have Kershaw's our, our number one, but I'm not sold on Wood as our solid number two. And I think our three through five in the rotation is kind of questionable. Our bullpen's decent, but our middle of the late relief, I'm still not sure on. I'm a pessimistic Dodger fan. I'm a true diehard fan. Can't rattle off box scores to you, but I could tell you at large, uh, I feel like it's just more of the same from last year. So the interesting thing to me over the offseason is that the Dodgers let you Darvish go and didn't replace him with another frontline starter. And so really you have this Uber A1 starter in Kershaw, and then you have a series of what I would call back of the rotation starters, kind of like your third, fourth, and fifth starter, but those are all of the spots that you're filling. From what I can tell last year is there was actually six starting pitchers that the Dodgers employed throughout the vast majority of the season. To me, the big question for the Dodgers is, can they get consistency out of the back of their rotation like they did last year? And can they live up to expectations? Because you know Vegas has them winning something like 94, 95 games, which is basically you know a clear winner in the NL West. Uh, how do you think the team is going to do? I think we're going to win the division again, but just barely. I'm afraid of the Diamondbacks, but I'm more afraid of the Rockies. I mean, is there any place that just kind of gives you that pit in your stomach, especially if it's a four-game set and you really need a momentum builder and you got to go out to Denver and try to at least pull out a split? And that place is a graveyard for both the Dodgers and Giants. And there's always been a tight race in the standings. I'm like, oh, good. You get to go to Denver. You can be up by 10 runs and that place will just turn on you in a hurry, right? Especially when you have your late relief in there. So I think we're going to win it, but not by much. And I feel like Colorado is the dark horse of the division. How do you think the Giants are going to do this year? Oh, where do I start? Well, I mean, Maddie, my boy Bumgarner, you know, Yasiel Puig, Puig's best friend is out for, what, two months? So how's that going to fare for you guys? I was looking at what the line was for the Giants before the season and Vegas had them anywhere from 81 to 84 wins. So that is essentially competitive for one of the last wild card spots until sort of the end of the season is most likely what it looks like. And then after Bumgarner got hurt, the line dropped down to 79 wins. So that means that he's somewhere between two and six losses. And also Samarja got hurt and Melanson, our closer, is out. So we've had injuries up and down the pitching staff early in the season that essentially cost the Giants what Vegas is saying is six wins. It's not good, but truthfully, I don't think that the Giants are going to make the playoffs myself this year. I think uh, the hope is that they're competitive early and then maybe can add a piece. But, uh, you know, I'd love to hear from the Dodgers perspective, what do you see with the Giants and how do you think we're going to do? Well, it's an even year. So what are you talking about? Aren't you guys going to win it all? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
you can never underestimate Bruce Boshi. So as much as it pains me to say this, the guy, even when he was in San Diego, he just always had our team's number. And then when it was announced that he was coming to the Giants, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's going to ruin us. And so I would never count out a team managed by Bruce Boshi. And then I guess the thing I was going to ask you is about with you, know, you have even Longoria and you have uh, McCutcheon added to the roster. So there's got to be that. I mean, I feel like they're on the downside of their career. I don't see a whole lot of upside, but I think with Boshi at the helm, he'll find a way. He'll find to get a dollar out of a nickel. I mean, this guy could really work a roster better than anyone in the game. So I feel like you guys could be enough of a threat. And there's no doubt, especially in the post-Tommy Lasorda era, where my Dodger teams are known for just rolling over when they come up here to Pac Bell Park or whatever we're calling that stadium, a phone booth stadium. So the fact that Vegas has you at least as a 500 team still bothers me because it's enough to where you'll get up for us and ruin any momentum that we gather, especially in like June or July. So you mentioned Tommy Lasorda and the post-Lasorda era, which just makes me want to say, boo. (laughs) Sorry, what? That said, let's talk about the rivalry a little bit. Who is your favorite Dodger of all time? I'd have to say it's Mike Piazza. Piazza was just the man. He had that kind of weird... um, Porn stash? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was like that weird porn stash, and he just probably a lot of good energy to the game. And when the O'Malley sold the Dodgers to Fox and then we traded them away, and then that son of a gun decided to go in the Hall of Fame as a Met, I still find that unforgivable, but still he's my favorite Dodger. And it has nothing to do at all with what he did in 1993 at the end of the season, which was to push the Giants out of the playoffs. So for that alone, he's still one of my favorite Dodgers. Yeah, he was actually what I said was my least favorite Dodger of all time in a previous podcast. Uh, Tell me about who is your most hated giant of all time? Ooh, I'd have to start with Barry Bonds. That damn pirouette he did back in 1997, followed by that Brian Johnson home run. I just couldn't stand it when that that stupid little dangling little like what was up with that earring like it was a cross i don't know what the hell that was it was the 90s man i don't care man i just could not stand him as a player when he was with the giants i loved him when he was with the pirates but uh, i think he also has that postseason stink that now clayton kershaw is living up to but yeah my number one is definitely barry bonds I think that would be followed by... um, Barry Bonds and Barry Bonds. For whatever reason, I didn't like Craig Lefferts. Yeah, lefty reliever out of the pen. Yeah, you know that whenever he came out of the pen, that guy would like sprint Mm -hmm. to the mound. Do you remember that? He didn't walk. That guy used to sprint. I I don't know what was up with that. Is it okay to say hate? I think hate is okay in a rivalry. I hated Craig Lefferts. Um, Who's your reliever? He died tragically. Uh, Rod Beck. Rod Beck. Yeah, I could stand his ass. Shooter. Yeah, I say a bad word. Is that going to get bleeped out? Fuck it. Yeah. I got to go for my top three. So, so far I said Craig Lefferts, Barry Bonds, number one, Rob Beck. I'm going to give you one more. I'm going to put Bumgarner right there. Because he's nasty. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like the way he like pouts when you hit a home run off of him. And how dare you, Madison, come up my boy uh, Yasiel Puig. Don't you ever do that again. Yeah, because Yasiel Puig has never started a fight or never <laughs> sort of crossed the line in his life. It's definitely always Bumgarner. Okay. Talk to me about the most heated Giants-Dodgers confrontation that you've ever seen. Well, wait a second. Wait, wait. Yeah? No, this can't be all about me. Who's your top like four loathe or hated Dodgers outside of Tommy Lasorda? Yeah, Tommy. It's kind of like you saying Barry Bonds, obviously. Possibly the best player of all time. Of course you're going to hate him. Uh, I, growing up, could not stand Mike Sosha. 
I thought he was a dirty player and there was always confrontations at the plate. He would basically run people over on their way down the third base line. Never a fan. Despise Kurt Gibson, but that's sort of an obvious one. And most of that has to do with he was the face of the Dodgers championship. The only one since I've been born. But, you know, I've had plenty of time to get over that. <laughs> Piazza was on the list. Couldn't stand the porn stash. Matt Kemp. I just hated the sort of Rihanna dating bravado. And, you know, it was kind of a guy that always had a little bit of a braggadocious attitude and never won shit. So those are probably my favorite ones. But at the end of the day, it's all just Tommy Lasorda. Like maybe one of the happiest moments in my life was in the All-Star game when somebody either hit a foul ball or let go of the bat and it hit Tommy Lasorda, who was the third base coach, and he harmlessly toppled over. (laughs) Those are moments that you just can't make up. And I could relive that in my head anytime I'm sad. It puts a smile on my face. (laughs) You know, I have to confess, I thought it was really cool when I was going to Santa Clara in the early 90s and coming up to a Dodger giant game with a stick and getting there early unlike you know the reputation that we have i I like getting the games early and apparently leaving early too yeah well so i remember getting there for batting practice and this is at the stick and i think tommy's gig or a little bit he would do would be after batting practice he'd get like right in front of like the pitcher's mound and he would do like a full bow to the crowd, just like trolling basically all of Candlestick to Leslie boo him. He would bow one way and tipped off his cap on the first base side and to the third base side. And it was great. I think he like reveled in this. And that's what I loved about Tommy Lasorda because he, he used to get on these guys like, listen, we have a three game series in San Francisco and don't you dare don't you dare roll over. We're going to take two out of three. And if we get swept, we get swept. But don't you not try. And I feel like in the Bill Russell era and God knows, although the nameless mealy mouth managers we've had since Tommy, they would roll over when they came up to play here at Candlestick and now subsequently in Phone Booth Park. So I, I love Tommy. As much as I despise him and my skin starts to itch when I say the words, Tommy Lasorda, <laughs> I, I think that he typifies the Giants-Dodgers rivalry. And I was there at the games where he would come out before the game and get booed and bow and have the theatrics. And it cemented the rivalry and made the Giants-Dodgers playing each other special and got more emotion into it. And that's a huge part of why people love baseball as much as I joke around and we use the word hate, baseball is a beautiful thing and having a rival and mostly two-storied franchises like the Giants and the Dodgers gives us an excuse to you know, shoot the shit and talk about baseball and live it and it just makes it more fun. Absolutely. So I despise the man from the bottom of my soul, but I appreciate his position in the world. And he makes the rivalry what it is, which is something that I think everybody that's truly a baseball fan enjoys. Absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, I work with a couple of Yankee fans and there are a couple of folks in my office that are Red Sox fans and they swear up and down that the Red Sox Yankee rivalry is like the best in baseball. I mean, there's no disputing that it's a compelling rivalry, but if you look at the history, A, the Dodger giant rivalry is the oldest in baseball and B, it's actually been a real rivalry. Whereas I think that the Yankees and Red Sox is the Yankees have owned the Red Sox for the better part of the last 60 years. So the better part of the last hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until recently. And I, I went to college in Boston and basically the Red Sox were essentially my college sports team because where I went to school, they didn't really have a true athletic program. Uh, so I went to a ton of Red Sox games in college and and it was sort of when the team that won the first World Series in 86 years for the Red Sox 
beat the Yankees. You know, that was the Pedro idiots, uh, Johnny Damon, Kevin Millar, Malah, all of those guys. You know, I was there for that rivalry and it's an incredible rivalry, but you're right. It was a bloodbath forever. And the Giants and Dodgers have always been very close, very heated. And up until recently, the World Series count was relatively competitive too, but not necessarily these days. I have no comebacks for any Giant fans. I mean, I used to revel in the fact that I had a JPEG of an empty trophy case that I used to send out to my giant fan friends. And now I can't do that. Now they can do that to me. Well, we have trophy, we have hardware. It's just, uh, it's been a little while. So. It's just a little dusty, buddy. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a lot, it's a lot dusty. It's a lot dusty. And, you know, as much as I cannot stand the giants, I, I mean, I do admire Bruce Boshi and what he got out of his players. Cause I don't know if all three of those championship teams would be considered a, in the like murderer's row level of like all-time great teams. I think one of them for sure, but Madison played out of his gourd in, in 2014 and then you had just hot at the right place, right time. I mean, you can't you can't discount that. Just a collection of gritty players, good pitching and defense and enough hitting to get by. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like there. At least Barry didn't get a ring, which I, I'm okay with that too. So Yeah, well, I think that's a great place to end. We have some admiration from a Dodgers fan and a dig on Barry Bonds. So that's going to wrap up our show for today. Uh, our plan is to do this podcast every week. So if you want more Giants baseball in your podcast feed, click that subscribe button. Also, we're just getting started. So, A, we'd love for you to give us a rating in the Apple iTunes store. That'll help more people find this podcast. And also, it would be great if you can tell Tell your friends that are Giants fans to search FTF BTF, which stands for For the Fans, By the Fans, wherever they get their podcasts. Uh, we launched a website, ForTheFansByTheFans.com or FTFBTF.com. We have an Instagram account as well. So if you're looking for more Giants baseball, a couple different places, Instagram, on the web, or in your podcast feed, feel free to uh, stay in touch with us. Thanks to Fanatics. If you're going to buy your Giants gear or your Dodgers gear, go to ftfbtf.com slash Giants and Fanatics will give us a couple bucks to help us produce the show. And until next time, swing and a miss. And that's it. 